3rd of December. You're very welcome. manager that we should get out of firefighting mode and his genuine response to me was that would require we fire all of our executive team. I was a bit taken back by this and I've been thinking about it and giving it some thought. You know, why did he respond in that way? It sounds like a joke, but he was actually serious. He genuinely felt that firefighting was fine, as all of our executives were lighting fires for us to put out. It got me thinking about why some managers or organizations accept firefighting as a norm. Firstly, firefighting is not a good thing for one simple reason. It requires a fire, and fires are bad. In fact, for firefighting to become the, quote, process in an organization, it requires a steady stream of new fires. In a previous company, a previous mentor once said to me, quote, John, we are so good at firefighting here, we will happily light our own fires, end quote. He was being sarcastic, of course, and hated firefighting as much as I did. But it was a good point that he made. Some organizations are so set up and are ready to firefight that if there's no fire to put out, well, they'll happily go ahead and start one. It gives them something to do. Another colleague who I worked with, a very talented engineer, changed his avatar on our chat system to the children's character Fireman Sam to reflect the fact that he was only called upon due to some kind of software-related emergency. Few managers got the joke, however. Firefighting is not a sustainable management practice. It comes with a lot of stress for the teams impacted, and a lot of blame, and ultimately will become toxic. At the end of the day, somebody will be blamed for starting the fire. Unless, of course, the person starting the fire is a senior executive. But the problem is, guys, that adrenaline will only carry the team so far and eventually people will burn out. Firefighting is not a process, but instead a reaction to a bad situation that has already escaped from whatever processes you may have in place. Just like in nature, a fire starts small, it starts slowly, but then it can spread very quickly. This is a good analogy for how it can escape a process. Something goes off track, something minor, all of a sudden it gets a life of its own, it starts to gather, gather some momentum. And before you know it, something that was a small problem becomes a big problem. And then everybody's reacting and everybody's in that kind of, uh, you know, if it's a toxic organization, that finger pointing mode. Who's to blame? Who started the fire? How did this happen? How can we make sure it doesn't happen again? It's very, very unhealthy. It's very toxic. And if you have rigorous processes in place, uh, 99% of the time, these issues will never even occur. So remember, as a leader, if you are firefighting, something has already gone badly wrong. There is that ego associated with some people in terms of, you know, firefighting. So they feel like the hero because they, they put out the fire. They saved the company some money. They, you know, fixed that bug in production. Um, whatever the issue is that they happen to address. And, and then they get the, the pats on the back and the applause. And it becomes a kind of a, 
you know, a feedback loop of emergency, hero comes in to resolve, emergency, hero comes in to resolve. Think about Fireman Sam. Um, you know, it it's a good buzz in the beginning, but it's not sustainable. And in a way, I almost like as a leader, I try to not give a lot of praise to heroics because I'm not a big fan of heroics. I, I've written about it before. I don't like, you know, hero-driven processes. I don't think they're processes at all. And if you require a hero to put out a fire, well, you know, something's gone wrong. You shouldn't, that person shouldn't be required to, to do heroics um, to, to resolve the issue. Um, it's already uh, gone too far. So as leaders, we need to work on preventing these situations from occurring. And rather than having exceptions and rather than having exceptions and escalations being the norm, um, they really should be an exception. And, you know, 99% of the time, whatever processes you have in place should result in predictable outcomes. And when you have predictable outcomes, you don't have fires. So apart from worrying about fires this week, uh, what else did I get up to? I I am monitoring the, the growth on grepo.org, uh, my, my search engine. Um, it's now up to 2.9 million web pages indexed. I'm hoping I'll get to 3 million by the end of the year. My initial target, I was hoping for around 10 million. Um, so I'm obviously well short of that. Um, but if you've been following along to the development of that project, I've been having a lot of problems with the Apache Nux indexer. And um, I'm thinking about switching away from from that indexer um, in the new year. So yeah, it's um, it's solid progress, but it's not where I wanted it to be. And um, I definitely want to increase the index rate on that project in 2024. In terms of media that I have enjoyed this week, I finished the first issue of Aegean, uh Science Fiction Illustrated. Um, it's a really nice. Um, science fiction anthology so it's got lots of short stories it's about 160 pages of, of short stories um i i think it's great i really love it um i've bought all the other back issues as well so i'm going to get through it it comes out quarterly um so definitely check that out it's called um, aegeon a-e-g-e-o-n uh science fiction illustrated it's a subtitle it's available on amazon um, yeah, check it out. It's a it's a really nice project, and I really love what the creator is doing in terms of you know, harking back to the the, the golden age of science fiction in the the nineteen fifties when we had all these amazing anthology magazines and short stories and amazing novels who emerged from you know honing their skills writing those short stories. I think it's great to see that making a comeback, and it's definitely a project that I'm. I'm happy to support and uh, happy to um, happy to recommend to you guys to, to check it out. Uh, sticking with science fiction, I also finished watching uh, Scavenger's Rain this week. Um, it's an animated um, science fiction show about some people who get um, marooned on a, an alien planet. And that alien planet is full of all kinds of weird and wonderful um, alien life both plant life and, and animal life and it's all about um, them trying to survive and, and trying to get back to their ship trying to get rescued and it's the animation in it is absolutely beautiful um, I will warn you that it's quite graphic um, definitely not something that you know you would let your kids watch for example um, it's quite graphic 
Um, it's not graphic in terms of violence per se, but there's a lot of body horror in terms of um, you know the the alien life that's there on the planet. I won't I won't spoil too much. Um, but it's really great. It's one of the most interesting things that I've seen in a long time. It reminds me very much of the work of um, the author Jeff Andemir. I'm thinking in particular around his um, Southern Reach trilogy, um, this kind of um, indifferent natural force that is just trying to <laughs> change us and destroy us, uh, which is, you know, called nature. Um, and it's uh, it's that kind of same vibe of just this, you know, terrifying force that um, really doesn't care about us. It's completely indifferent. Um, it also reminds me of... Um, Roadside Picnic by the Surikatsky brothers, or even or an even more obscure reference would be the um, the Prophet comic books that were published by by Image um, several years ago. It's the same kind of um, vibe of people within this environment are effectively just on the food chain. So yeah, check that out. It's it's amazing, and um, definitely the most interesting thing I've seen probably this year deserves more more recognition and i'm hoping they do a second season okay i will leave it there guys i i hope you have a great week ahead and i will talk to you again next week take care bye bye